welcome back to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with fellow creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. Passion begets passion. So come on with me and let's do this. I just don't necessarily get daunted by things. Um, even though I had no experience in it, I just sort of said, you know, if you want me to do it, I'll do it and I'll, I'll, I'll do it for free. Today, I'm bringing you all a lesson in hustle with a creative leader, Julian George. And I'll get back to Julian in a moment. But for now, hello from a closet in Ohio. Yes, I'm in the United States. And so that's why I'm finding myself in a different audio recording situation than usual. But the interview itself is as clear as can be. Connor and I came to America just recently back back to the homestead, um, and we it was a fascinating travel experience. As you can imagine, during COVID, we of course were very, very careful, very cautious, um, but it has been quite an experience. And we got the COVID test, we did the self-swab at CVS, and if you're interested in that, I have that whole experience saved on my Instagram stories, at QKatie. Um, that seemed to get a lot of traction. People were very curious about our experience with that. Um, so we are currently quarantining in Southeast Ohio. It's been a great time and even better that I got to edit this podcast with Julian and just feel super connected to my home of London, even while quarantining here. Um, and just really excited about all the cool things people are doing in this world, even during this COVID madness. So um, I hope you all are doing really well and staying super safe. All right, now let's get to this conversation with Julian George. Now, Julian, to me, epitomizes the term creative entrepreneur. He runs a creative house called Made by Humans, and he has a company called Chef Signatures, which includes videography, photography, and representation for chefs. Now, to me, the coolest part about talking to Julian about his path is learning where he came from and how he has kind of navigated his passions throughout the years. So he is from Southeast London, born to an immigrant mother. She's from Sierra Leone. Um, he really credits her and his grandma with raising him. And he was on a lawyer path at the beginning of his career. And then he became curious in media production and really just followed his curiosity. He also talks about how fatherhood has helped him prioritize. He also talks about breaking down barriers and getting through that stiff upper lip of the British. If there's one theme, it is that Julian follows that intuition. He really follows his curiosity. In fact, that's his entire way of thinking about career is, what can I learn? And I just think that that is such a wonderful and necessary adjustment to um, kind of the typical career outlook. You know, he says, if I have an idea, I don't look at the boundaries, I just say, let's go. I find Julian super inspirational and I can't wait to bring you this conversation. Here he is. Julian George, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, for those that can't see, um, I've got the mini afro going. It's been such a long time <laughs> since I actually grew my hair. It's, it's, it's frightening. But yeah. How are you liking it? Is it because I know some people are like enjoying the quarantine, like, you know, let's see what kind of crazy stuff I can pull with my hair. 
Yeah, yeah, I quite like him because uh, the last time I had it this uh, long is when I had uh, uh, plats. I had cornrows, which was uh, at nice. university. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to uh, keep it post uh, uh, COVID for a while. Nice. How's your wife feel about it? Um, she doesn't like it too much. No, <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> so we got to get her on board first, and then yeah, yeah. Well, Julian, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because you really, to me, kind of epitomize a creative entrepreneur. Um, and and in that, there are so many facets and so many different things you do. I was trying to think of like, how should I describe Julian? How should I introduce him? When you like meet someone at a cocktail party, how do you say what you do? Oh, wow. That's, that's a, a interesting and, you know, a great question. I guess, you know, like, like you said, it's, it's, there's so many um, facets to what I do. I think... My approach is, you know, if if I have an idea, um, I don't necessarily sort of look at the boundaries. It's just, OK, let's just go for it. I'll figure it out. Um, and that's kind of my approach. Um, but if I was to describe it, I think um, a, a creative at heart um, who comes up with ideas um, and brings people together in order to, to, to execute that idea to the, the highest standard uh, possible. Um, wh whether that kind of is a disservice, I, I'm not quite sure. There, there, you know, there's so many sort of strands that trying to just put that into one sentence in a concise manner, is, it, it, it's quite hard to do so. Yeah, and I do think that trying to make it more concise, like, yeah, it leaves out a lot of the important things. But so yeah. this is why I love I love podcasting and I love this format is because we it does give us a chance to dive in to to some of these things. I guess I want to start before we dive into what you have done professionally and what you're doing. I want to kind of start, let's let's get to know Julian George a little bit more. So if listeners can't tell from your accent, you are British and you grew up in London, right? You're an actual Londoner. Um, I am indeed, yes. Um, grew up in uh, southeast London, Deptford, um, representing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, in, in, you know, in an area that's quite typical uh, um, of, of London, you know, uh, council estate. Um, but growing up, you know, it was so much fun. You, you knew that you weren't well off, but the people around you, um, you had so much fun. And I kind of, it's that cliche, you know, in the sense that I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't change it. You know, you kind of know the uh, um, adversities that you went through um, and at the time you know you kind of wished oh god you know I hope I wish you, uh, parents had more money or this or, or whatever but when you look back at it, it it shapes and informs who you are today um, and I, I look back at it fondly and I wouldn't change it change it for the world um, but yeah definitely a Londoner um, grew up and you know it's it's from how it was back then to what it is now, it's changed so drastically um, for for the better, um, and uh, it, it's become so much more open and so much more friendly um, and so much more uh, worldly. Um, ah. You know, kind of meeting you know someone like yourself, and when you kind of grew up in 
that one area of London, um, you didn't necessarily mix even, say, with the East. You know, a lot mm. of people from the East, the West, didn't necessarily venture into South London. It was, South London was a no-go area. And everyone kind of stayed within their own, you know, uh, um, area, as it were. Um, but as you, you grow older, um, things have changed and, you know, it's become a lot more cosmopolitan. And, you know, the, the, the vibe in London is, is, is just amazing there. Yeah, it really, it really is. And, you know, I obviously am a newbie to London. Well, relatively, we've been here over three years now, which is crazy how time that's flies. Mad. But still, three years, like, that's nothing. And so it's super fascinating to me to hear about how it was for you growing up. And, and I'm really glad to hear that it's like that you feel that it is changing in a positive way, right? Yeah. Almost like evolving for the better. Um, yeah, some, you know, there, there's obviously... A lot of people who will look at it and say changing for, for for some people will look at it through the glass and say it's changing for the better in terms of the regeneration um, and the fact that you having you know an influx of different cultures and uh, people from different countries coming in and shaping London into what it is today um, but you'll also have you know people that I grew up with and say you know the, the gentrification um, of certain areas that we grew up in um, means that they're now being edged out of, of London and yeah. they don't necessarily uh, can't afford to stay in what they call um, their area. You can't please everyone um, and there, there has to be change. It, can't, they, they, it couldn't have been left the way it was. Just like you know, if you look at New York, for instance, what it used to be as to what it is now. Um, right. Some people will say, you know, it's amazing that it has changed. Others will say, well, you know, it, we've been pushed out. We feel as if we've been marginalized. Yeah. Huge parallels between, yeah, New York and London in that way, for sure. So I'm curious, when you were saying about how, you know, people who have stayed in council housing and, um, and I'm just wondering, like, when you were a kid, did you always... Was it like a goal of yours? Were you like, I'm going to find a way to get out of this and like to, you know, did you, even as a, as a child, did you have your sights set on like something bigger or higher? You know, you always hear about like manifestation and visualizing and that kind of thing. And I'm sure as a kid, you weren't like putting those words to it, but, but was that on your mind and was that something you were aspiring to? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I was, you know, I'm, I think I'm sort of, you, uh, you guys will say a hustler. In London, we'll say uh, um, a grafter. Just, you know, just sort of knuckle down and just uh, graft. Um, and you know, I kind of witnessed um, uh, that from my mum. My um, and she always sort of uh, instilled it in me from, from, from the get-go to say, you know, you have a great opportunity in terms of um, being brought up in, in, in London as opposed to where uh, she grew up in Sierra Leone. Um, and she would always say, make sure you don't waste this opportunity, make sure you know you do the best that you can. Yeah, that's powerful. And seeing her sort of, her hustle, um, um, I don't know, it, for me it's just always, it's kind of a, a, an, an innate trait that I've always just sort of had this drive right, right from the get-go. Um, and even at such a young age, myself and my uh, best friend, we always 
it, you know, we, we touched on it earlier in the conversation where I say I look back on it fondly. Um, but at the same time, at such a young age, you know, raising a family wasn't at the forefront of our minds because you're just young boys at the time. But we always sort of said, when we are, you know, when we become parents, our kids are not going to go through what we've gone through. Yeah. And so that was kind of a goal right from the outset. Wait, so, okay, you're, so your mom's from Sierra Leone. Where's your dad from? Uh, dad's from Sierra Leone as well. They're both from Sierra okay. Leone. Okay. Yeah. Did they come over to the UK together? Um, no, they uh, split up um, before I was born. Uh, my mum came o over to, to, to London and my dad came uh, quite late, late later on. Um, okay. But yeah, they're both from Sierra Leone. Um, and, you know, it just instilled the, the, the values that they had uh, growing up um, in me. Um, but obviously, as you grow up, at a young age, you kind of rebel against all of that, and it's so only at a later stage that you start sort of finding yourself and you know looking back at your heritage and you know just sort of taking that on board, coupled with your Western um, uh, experience and, and values, and merging that together because essentially that's who you are. You've kind of got you know your heritage um, of where historically your parents and you know um grandparents come from and this is you know regard myself as british but not forgetting the history and heritage from you know where my my parents come from yeah yeah how do you what's the first step that really kind of had you steer the boat towards um for lack of a better way of saying it like a multimedia business um like mogul path <laughs> like what was what was the what was the kind of turning point or really impactful moment how did it start um i've always kind of had uh, a creative uh, streak um and i loved music growing up always used to you know sort of listen to music in my room um uh uh, produce, write, um, and sing. Um, but I went down the academic route, um, and then you know, like I said, mum had a, a big influence on me. And if you, you kind of grown up within uh, an ethnic family, uh, particularly an African family, um, you know, it's law, uh, science, um, a doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, those are the a career path that's uh, seen as uh, successful um, within the community. So I went down the legal path, um, you know, just going from school to college to university and then um, getting a job within um, a law firm um, as, a, as an advocate. Um, and in the process, whilst working um, at the law firm, uh, you know, it's just sort of nagging on me, thinking, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? A school friend of mine um, was working uh, in a creative agency um, or a production company, which is called IMG, um, and they're huge um, in terms of looking after some of the, the, the biggest stars out there, including Tiger Woods and a lot of the models. Um, but they uh, specialise in sports. Um, and he was working for uh, 
a production which is called uh, Trans All Sports, and a lot, a lot of us grew up on that. Um, we used to watch it Channel 4 uh, Sunday mornings. He was working there as uh, a young producer, and I said, you know, one day, just off the cuff, it'd be great just to sort of pop in um, one day after work or on the weekends. I went there, had a look around, and thought, oh, you know, this look, looks kind of cool. Um, is there anything going? Um, and it turned out that there was something which is called uh, digitizing. I'm sure you know what digitizing is, but at the time, I was like, what? No idea what digitizing was. Um, and so looked into it, and it started from, from there, really. Essentially, the, the, the path I took, I was working in the law firm, uh, Monday to Friday, nine to five or, or what have you. Um, and then at the end of the day, after sort of finishing uh, my stint at the law firm, I'll then drive to the production company um, and then do the digitizing from Whoa, whatever time. So you time. were doing double time. You were yeah. working like double shift. And so digitizing for people who aren't familiar, it, it was really kind of at the beginning of like when everything got digital and you would actually take analog and and turn it into digital media correct yeah digital so it, it essentially you know it, it kind of paint the picture for, for for the listeners um when back then you know you'd go out and uh, and film and it was on digibeta tape or if you don't necessarily know what that kind of looks like think of vhs you know a, a, a tangible format that you recorded something onto um, that will then be brought into the production house. I then had to put that into a tape machine, which then converts it into the digital format, and it's then on the computer system. So when the editor comes in the morning, everything is there ready for them to then start their work and start sort of going through the footage and editing so that they don't have to sit there and do that laborious uh, process of converting analog right. into digital. Right. You, you did that part. <laughs> you did the laborious part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did that, you know, early, early hours, hours of, of, of the morning. And, you know, I, I was thinking um, back on that, actually. Um, and, you know, when you're in it and going through that process, you don't necessarily think about it too much. But now looking back at it and thinking, God, that's how did I do that? You know, it was nine to five and then kind of going on to the production house um, and kind of working probably, you know, let's say six or seven until about two, three in the morning and then wow. going home and then doing exactly the same thing again. Um, and then sometimes on uh, on weekends um, and to kind of move on uh, from from that whilst I was doing the digitizing, um, obviously within the edit suites. I will then spend time looking at the edits and the sequences that the editors had done, um, just kind of looking at how you know they piece things together, how you know the, their pacing, um, the, the edit, um, and just understanding the software that they used for, um, for for editing. So it was like going to school. I mean, you were you were putting the hat on of a student. Yeah. So you know, I kind of learned from looking at examples of what they had done um, and then started offering my services on the weekend and saying um, to the editors, I, I got to know, you know, all the editors 
um, because you didn't have to write notes and leave emails and what have you as to what you've done, where you've saved everything. And as you know, being um, an editor, everything has to be compartmentalized. Everything has to be so structured. Um, and I started offering my services in the sense that I'd say to them, you know, if there are any jobs that you don't necessarily want to do that's boring, um, you want to do the fun stuff such as the online and, you know, graphics and what have you, I'll do that for free. Um, well, for free? Well, yeah, well, you know, as, it's, it's such a tough industry to get into, isn't it? Um, yeah. And, you know, this was um, an opportunity um, and an opening that I saw. Um, and like I said, you know, when we started the conversation, if we, you know, I, I just... I just don't necessarily get daunted by things. Um, even though I had no experience in it, I just sort of said, you know, if you want me to do it, I'll do it, and I'll, I'll, I'll do it for free. Um, yeah. And that worked in my favour because, you know, they just start, started bombarding me with stuff and, you know, I'll just get on with it. But for them, they saw the work ethic in the sense that Harry is wanting to learn um, and rather than uh, waiting for someone to sort of put it on a plate for him he's offering his services and he's doing it for free and i've learned yeah it. this is like the opposite of like those entitled youngsters that we all yeah precisely about. yeah <laughs> and so how old were you at that time then i was in my 20s i was in my 20s yeah um yeah okay. probably yeah. early 20s uh early 20s yeah it was yeah. a complete blur because i was just running all the, all the time just constant it was go 24 7. And so at what point did you did you finally say, OK, law is not the path for me long term? Um, I can't remember how many years I, I did uh, do this for. The, the double time? Yeah, the double time, yeah. Sort of, you know, two careers kind of running concurrently, which, yeah. hasn't, which, which hasn't changed <laughs> in, so in so many ways. True, um, yeah. But um, I, I, an opportunity did uh, come about within the production company in which they were looking for an edit assistant. Um, and, you know, I kind of digressed on it and think, you, you know, do I make this move, do I not? Um, and if I don't do it, then will I regret it? And if I do and it doesn't work out, I'm still young and I can always go back, go back to law. But at the same time, it was such a, a, a huge risk because, as you know, the the system within uh, production houses or the, the, the media industry is that, you know, you kind of start off as a runner um, and then you, you work your way through to, you know, uh, a tape operative working, you know, uh, in MCR and, uh, and then kind of moving on to a, a researcher and all that sort of stuff. And I'd buy Right, there's a, there's a hierarchy yeah. in place. Um, yeah. And, you know, you had, had people within the company who were going through this process. And here I was, someone who'd, you know, not necessarily employed by the company as kind of freelancing and doing the digitizing uh, at night, but I had uh, used um, uh, the fact that the software and the equip equipment was there at my disposal um, and kind of just learnt off my, my, my own back and then offered to do things for free. Um, so I was ahead of, of them just because it was there and I took advantage of it. And yeah, I, I, I got the position as the um, editor's assistant. And that's, that's, that's how that, that sort of started. Your, I don't know if it's like an instinct to like 
go for something, throw yourself into something without like necessarily having all of the like practical, logical things that a lot of people need in order to do something. Um, it reminds me of um, the digital magazine that you did the and the mayor. Am I saying that right? Uh, yes, the, the the mayor. And so it's M A I O R. Yeah, it's, it's the spelled. Latin for great. Yeah. Oh, hey, nice. Um, and you were like, I'm going to throw myself into this, even though I don't. You know, again, like I was just saying, that checklist that most people are like, I need to check all these boxes before I can do this. You still went ahead and did it. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily kind of advocate it for, <laughs> for people because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, yeah you, you know, you, you kind of you embark on, on this, as I'm sure you probably would have, you know, on, on, on some projects and anything. Oh, my goodness. What have I let myself in for? But it, it, true, it true, doesn't true. necessarily... Yeah. Um, phase me um in the sense that you know it, I, I i see it as a challenge i see it as um as as an experience and it it it, it drives me and then you know I, I kind of think right okay i don't necessarily know about it i didn't know anything about magazines um but it was it, i thought oh, it's going to be a great experience you know i'm going to learn so much and you know um i'm sure that we can we, you know we can certainly do it um and that's that's just my my outlook and my thing wow. is, is just okay if i if i have an idea i i do you know research it, it in depth and look at all the sort of different aspects of it um and although a lot of people will then say well you don't necessarily have um all the tools at your disposal um in terms of you know the 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 the, the funding someone that's experienced in, you know, creating a, uh, a magazine, reaching out to the, uh, uh, the talents that you want, you want to feature, who, you know, this is the first time that you're doing something like this. And so when you're reaching out to um, people who are already established within their career, you know, one of the, the, the people that we featured was um, uh, Di Green, who is um, an athlete and won medals. Um, the uh captain of um the the women's uh football team so those sort of people who are already being featured in your in the publications that's out there why would they say yes to being featured in something that they've never heard of kind of thing but in my mind is of course they will you know <laughs> just just approach them all they the, the worst they can say is no. <laughs> that's, yeah. I have no that's shame. A, that's, that's my motto. I have no shame. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's really worked for you. And I think that, yeah, God, we could all use a bit more of that. Is that just like who you are, who you've always been? And kind of going back to what we were saying before of like these things that like maybe your mom instilled in you or like how much, how much talking back to self-doubt do you have to do do you have to work on yourself on like a daily basis not too not too much because you know um, i think i'm kind of one of those who's uh an optimist and i've always kind of seen the the, the brighter side of things um yes you know you you know just like everyone else you do have your off days um and funnily enough um i think for the first time 
um, during the, the COVID uh, crisis. Um, for the first time, I kind of, you know, in the earlier sort of stages, I woke up and I didn't have that drive. And that was like, well, this has never happened to me before. Just, huh. I guess, that everything kind of compounded that, you know, everything that was going on um, at, at the time. And because I, I'd never could relate or understand to a lot of people where, you know, on a Monday morning, they sort of, ugh, can't, I just can't be bothered. You know, where for me, it's kind of like, right, Mon let's go. I'm, I've been yeah. waiting for this. <laughs> you know, I've got yeah. so much, I've got so much in my head that I've kind of, you know, just want to release and try things and do this and do that. And I'm, yes. and I'm kind of gearing to go. Um, but yeah. I never really understood where people were coming from. It just, uh, I, I really just can't be bothered to do anything. It's just so for the first time, I kind of had that um, that realization. Um, but if it, I, I think it, it, it is just innate um, in that I've just always had this get up and go. Um, if I have the idea, I will find a way to try and execute it. But as you get older. Um, I think you kind of pick your battles wisely now, where I would have tried anything back then. Um, now that you do have a family, you do have kids, you have to prioritise, you know, in terms of time. Um, and so I don't have all the time to just spend on exploring and doing creative stuff. That just can't work anymore. It has to be the right... You, you, you kind of have to have that quality quality time um, with the kids. Um, and so therefore you, I have to, you know, think in depth uh, as to what it is I'm going to embark on. Um, because as creatives, you've always got so many ideas as you, as you probably know, going through your head. Um, and you, you know, you're kind of juggling and thinking, right, which one do I think is going to uh, I think it's going to work, um, but it, and it, it, for for all the sort of ideas, even if it doesn't work, you, if my take on it is that you learn and there is there is an experience. But do I want to spend X amount of time on this when I know that this other idea is uh, a lot more reachable? Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to, you, you know, expend so much of my time on this when I could be spending time with the girls. So yeah. I'll choose to do this idea over that one um, and ensure that I have that time for that, uh, f for that process and ensure that my time uh, family-wise doesn't get impeded on, if you know what I mean. Right, so it kind of forces you to really prioritize yeah. which which projects you'll pursue yeah yeah because the ideas never stop coming it's just yeah. you, <laughs> it's just now you kind of have to you know just rein it in and say okay yeah i know that's really far-fetched even for someone that's an optimist you kind of have to you know just sort of say okay cool i know that's far-fetched if i was 20 i probably <laughs> i probably would have pursued that but i'm not anymore so i kind of just have to sort of park that one away and I'll, I'll do yeah. this one yeah when I met you you were working at discovery yeah um but you were also doing chef signatures um and then you've also done 
snap shorts and all this other kind of stuff. So, well, let's start with, um, and you're no longer at Discovery. So is there anything else to say about Discovery or is it just like that was some, that was somewhere you worked on your path to, to where you are now? Um, you know, Discovery, um, was amazing. Um, and it's definitely, uh, informed the creative that I've become, um, up to this point and obviously the kudos that comes with working for an establishment such as discovery you know that's that's yeah. huge and being an editor at discovery that was great um that came off the back of you know where i at img i was uh, the edit assistant um and then I, you know after a period then became uh, a, an editor working as i said that they specialize in sports so editing on, on uh, premier league um, golf, uh, Wimbledon tennis. Um, uh, uh, I think we uh, did some uh, F1 uh, as well. And then I started getting the itchy feet. Okay, been doing sports now for how, however many years. I need to now kind of look at um, other areas of uh, the, the field. Um, which would, you know, can only make me a better creative. Um, and so whilst I was there, I started, you know, then freelancing in other places and uh -huh. started building my network. So again, here's that two things running concurrently. <laughs> again, right. it's, 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 a, it's a theme that, can, that, that follows me <laughs> through my, yeah, I see <laughs> my career path. Um, so working at IMG and uh, freelancing in other uh, places and kind of building up my network uh, that way and then leaving IMG um, to you know get on the, the freelance uh, circuit um, and whilst I was freelancing um, I met uh, an editor who had worked with at uh, IMG who was doing some stuff at, uh, at Discovery we met in the canteen and you know lo and behold he said oh you know this uh, they're looking for um, uh, uh, a freelance editor that uh, to work within this uh, team, the emerging markets. Um, are you interested? So, you, well, yeah. <laughs> Do you, you know. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was I was there for you know a very lengthy, I think it's like ten years or so as a as a freelancer at Discovery, which is a, that's a, that's a good stint, right? <laughs> that's a good stint. <laughs> <laughs> but what you know, obviously, whilst there doing the other uh, projects and creatives, so as, many other projects. Yeah. So it, it it was great in the sense that it's um, as a freelancer, but you had that that security of essentially a, a permanent job. Um, a lot of people kind of started calling you know that uh, permalance. Um, yeah. be, you know, merging the uh, the two together, but it allowed me to have that that base, but then kind of go out and explore, it, you know, it was the best of both worlds, you know, able to kind of go out there and explore and do different things. Um, and, you know, the, uh, like I say, the ideas you know, keep coming. And one of the ideas that came up was the, uh, the magazine. And so therefore, you know, whilst there embarked on that project, um, and that's how that came about, which was great. Um, but I think in my um, email that I uh, sent through to you, it's a pa you know it's a passion project. 
um, yeah. and you know, being uh, funded by myself and a lot of the other people who were on, on it working together, it was just the coming together of creatives wanting to do something different, wanting to kind of push the, the, the boat out there creatively and see what we could achieve, um, which was great, but it wasn't sustainable just mm -hmm. because of what the setup was. Um, and that's why that kind of came to an end. But it did great for all involved because it kind of opened the doors um, where people saw that um, and thought, well, if you can kind of achieve that on a shoestring budget, then what can you sort of bring to the, uh, to the table um, if we were to have you involved in this project or that project? Yeah, um, with a proper budget. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that, 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 that was that really. Um, it was, a, you know, a, a great run. Um, and it kind of started or kind of put me in the position of then working with other creatives and leading creatives. Mm -hmm. as it were, kind of managing creatives. Um, mm. That was where that kind of uh, started. How did you learn to shoot? Like, at what point did you pick up those skills? Well, that was, that was um, uh, during the magazine. We, you know, that was sort of all hands on deck. Um, but it, it kind of, it was born out of fr frustration. Um, mm. wh whether, and you know, what I touched on working and managing uh, creatives, where I would give a brief to say, right, you know, uh, you know, I kind of have the idea or the vision in my mind to say I want something to look like this uh, in terms of framing, in terms of how the camera uh, moves and in terms of, you know, say, taking uh, pictures. And the, a lot of times people will, you know, create something amazing because as a creative, yes, you're going to take on the brief, but you're also going to add your um, uh, creative attribute uh, to it, w which hopefully uh, enhances and takes it to the next level, um, which was great in some instances, but at times, you know, it was frustrating where I have this idea or this vision in my head and I felt it, it wasn't uh, being executed as I saw it in my head. And so sure. I kind of felt, well, okay, I'm, let, let me pick up a camera and mm -hmm. give it a go. <laughs> Mm -hmm. as, as I like to do, I just give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's where that started. I just kind of thought, well, you, you know, maybe I'll better explain or give someone a brief if I knew exactly um, the terminology or uh, knew exactly how a camera works and knew how they saw things. Um, and being an editor, so where you are the last pretty much in that process um, yeah. in terms of framing, in terms of knowing what shots work. I knew that because yeah. I had worked on so many footages prior. And so it, I guess it all sort of came together. So you picked up a camera and subconsciously, because I, you, you know what cuts well together in terms of this shot, mids, you know, uh, close ups or what have you. I yeah. then, you know, it, 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 it wasn't too much of a, a learning curve for me um, on the filming side of things. Um, photography side of things, that was, that's, a, you know, another story in that 
prior to kind of picking up the camera, I, I wasn't really interested in, in, in photography. And, you know, when phones kind of came about, um, you know, I'll take a picture and my wife would be like, what's this? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, what sort of framing is this? I was, I was appalling. I was just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> and I, I remember um, uh, she, she had a, um, you know, the, a, a DSLR. And the fact that you have to sort of half press uh, the, the shutter to, to me to the scene and then take a picture, I found that, you know, it's just like, what? What? Yeah. I just couldn't get my head around it. Uh, um, and now here I am, you know, you know, doing photography and kind of taking, wow. it, to, taking it to the next, next level. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's how, how I kind of got into the filming and uh, photography side of things. And as per usual, I just sort of immersed myself in it and, you know, wanting to learn all the technical sides of the camera, how the camera works, so that I can then um, push the boundaries. Um, and likewise, you know, uh, for, the, for the filming side of things, it, it was because I was an editor and I saw the end results that fed into me then when I picked up the camera to film, I knew instinctively what to sort of look for, what made yeah. a, a, a great footage. Um, yeah, you're like just filling in, filling in the the holes in this like multimedia yeah. circle, basically. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about your interest and passion for food, and um, yeah, just like how did that come into the scene? Uh, yeah, another one, another one of those uh, crazy ideas. That's the <laughs> <laughs> I am sensing a theme here. So you know, the, the magazine had ended. Um, did some of the uh, snapshots, you know, we did features where, you know, for, for us in, uh, in London or being British, you, you, you know, we all have that sort of stiff up, upper lip, as, as it were, and to break down those barriers is extremely hard, especially when it comes mm. to, to, to men. Um, and uh, I don't know which, which ones uh, you, you, you managed to, to, to watch, but there's um, the guy who's a, a, a kind of a realist uh, um, artist, this huge guy from uh, South London. Um, and I always sort of joke that, you know, if I saw him um, down the road at night, I'll cross the road because he's so, <laughs> he's, he's, he's so big. Um, but he's such a, a, a gentle soul. But, you know, in the process of doing this um, and the filming, he broke down. And to mm. kind of have someone completely kind of let their guards down and do that, that's just, you know, it, it doesn't really sort of happen, especially two guys together. Um, and then you had the, uh, the, the creative director of Tupman. Um, he also took part uh, in, in the series. And, you know, someone you're thinking, right, you know, he's at the pinnacle of his, his career. It, it, you know, it, he must be so talented, he must uh, um, have uh, so much confidence um, in himself. But then when you break down those barriers and break down those walls, he is just as um, nervous as the rest of us when you embark on you know, different things. And mm. in, again, with him, um, whilst we were filming, he broke down. And that moment was sort of surreal you're thinking wow this is creative director of top men who you think would ooze uh confidence um, and self-belief but he still had self self-doubt um in the sense that you know 
he didn't think that he would amount to anything um, in a sense that um, the imposter syndrome, he feels as, the, as though he's just not uh, quite equipped to be in that, in that position. Wow. Um, wow. E even though he is this successful person. But at the same time, what was so funny about it is on the one hand, as I say about the stiff upper lip and the, the, the Britishness, um, on <laughs> one hand, he did let that guard down and, you know, he, he, he cried. Um, and then he sort of perked up and said, oh, I don't know what came over me there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, yes. Is very, <laughs> which is very British. <laughs> I, I feel like it is so important to break, to, to break those barriers down, even if they do, <laughs> you know, erect themselves again as in a, in a moment's time. But yeah, it's so important. And just to remember, like, we are all humans and we all struggle with things and this is also <laughs> i why i love the name of would you say your company your production company made by humans yeah mm -hmm. i mean is that is that a part of it it's like i'm human i'm i'm like creating this stuff in a way that like no machine could ever could ever do because i'm human <laughs> Um, well, yeah, the, the, the whole sort of uh, uh, concept of the thinking behind it is, you know, made by humans um, because, you know, we live in the digital age. Um, yeah, we, we were talking about, you know, digitizing and, you know, taking the analog into the digital, you know, but we, we've kind of gone so far past that now. Everything is, is, is in, in the digital age. But here, you know, y yes, we'll create um, these uh, digital content and material, um, but my look or approach on it was that um, made by made by humans in the in the sense that you need that emotional sensibility, you need that um, uh, understanding of uh, human nature to be able to speak to people uh, through the digital format. Um, yeah. And one of the, the, the key kind of taglines um, in creating the company is that ideas need the human touch, you know, to bring it to life. It needs, the, it needs us to be able to execute it. Um, yeah. uh, as far advanced as all the digital stuff is, you, um, when you, you bring it back to, to reality or, or to the basics is that, you know, human nature and the interaction between us you know, you can't live without that. That it, that is still at the core of it all. And which we are learning. I feel like we're relearning it all over again with COVID because we're being reminded how true it is. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. But I think that you know that's in watching or listening to the the news and some of the documentaries. It, you know, a lot of people have said that it has forced us to go go back to the basics. Um, yeah. Strip everything. Uh, away and essentially you know what covid has done is um put an em em emphasis on the fact that you know we have to work together for the good of humanity you know mm -hmm. the fact that we we all had to adhere to the rules of staying indoors we, we were doing that for the for the vulnerable because if you didn't yeah. do that indirectly you could quite a, a, you know, quite easily end up, you know, hurting someone or someone um, going through a torrid time 
just because you wanted to go out there and you know have a beer or, or, or what have you so yeah just you, you ha- having that little sacrifice that meant that someone else would be safe back down to the basics of you know working together for the good of mankind mm-hmm. obviously some people were you know flanking the rules but well yeah some were better than others about it but <laughs> what's next for you what's what kind of exciting projects are on the horizon well touching on the i, I, I kind of sort of come to that because i i, oh, yeah, I just realized yeah, yeah. that i didn't um uh, answer your question about you know the the food side of things which is where mm-hmm. where i'm at now after the back of uh uh snap shorts um i wanted again to to do something uh different but meaningful um and uh one of the ideas was chef's you know chef signatures was born um which essentially was telling the story of uh, chefs through their signature dishes, you know, essentially for those who don't necessarily know a signature dish for a chef, um, it's kind of a a, a stamp um, in history, as it were, you know, that particular time um, in their past where they've created something um, that surpasses all the other dishes that they've created. Um, and in some instances, that dish then catapults them into, you know, the, the next stage of their career. Um, or they become really known, in, in, you know, in terms of uh, media um, and popularity and what have you. Um, and, you know, they will have these different points in their career, um, which the, the higher points is those dishes that, that they've created. Um, and so, the, you know, the, the, it was a vehicle to learn about them as an individual, where they started off and to where they where they are now. Um, and that's how that started. Um, you know, Chef Signatures, the, the idea, the concept, um, and my way into the food industry was working with a very uh, well-known charity, which is uh, Action Against Hunger. Um, I'm sure you've uh, sort of heard of them or yeah. Uh, yeah. come across them. Um, Definitely. And my approach for, to that was, you know, killing two birds of one stone social enterprise, if you want to, if you want to call it that. And I said, well, okay, I'll do your videos for you, and you know, the whole package and everything for free um, as my contribution to uh, the the charity. And in me doing the the videos and going to these uh, events and these different restaurants, I then started to get to know all of these chefs within the industry. Um, who then saw my work and then said, oh, it would be great if you did some yeah. stuff for us. Yeah, be- because your work speaks for itself, right? So you just have to like get people to, to see the work and then... Well, yeah. yeah, I started then doing the work for the chefs. Um, and because I had so many different uh, chefs at my disposal, if I was going to do anything creative and, and explore um, a different industry and a different set of minds then I thought it would be great to do it with chefs and you know that's how Chef Signatures uh, was born. Again you know that was a passion project which you know has now become an entity sort of unto itself. Um, Been doing it for a while now. You can't necessarily plan how things are are going to go. You know Chef Signatures was born as a passion project and what it's become 
is not sort of what I intended. Um, it was a passion passion project so that I wanted to sort of explore the, the the food side of things. Chefs are complex characters, and again trying to break down those barriers and understand them as an individual and how they work um, was my intention. It then catapulted and it, you know has expanded into what what it is now. It's going to carry on being the creative agency within the the food industry so videography and photography uh will still carry on but what i'm now introducing into that mix is um representation for chefs um so a lot of the younger chefs that are coming through um i feel that there is a gap in the market uh that these chefs can be represented um you know there's uh, brand and en endorsements um, where the values of chefs um, align well with uh, another brands and bringing those two together to create something that's uh, that's special. Where can people? Where should people be following you to to stay up with all the stuff you're doing? Um, on Chef Signatures, uh, which will be which is on um, Instagram uh, mainly, uh, on Facebook, and I need to up my game on on Twitter. That's for sure. It's so hard to hit them all, right? Because <laughs> you want to do it right. And so you kind of have to dedicate your your, your time to, to one of the mediums. It's um, true. But yeah, uh, we're going to be doing a lot more on, um, on YouTube. Um, and uh, just to sort of touch on this before, I guess, we kind of wrap this up. Um, in regards to the whole f um, movement that sort of hit the world, you know, there's COVID and then there is the... Uh, Black Lives uh, uh, Matter um, um, yeah. pandemic, if you, if you want to sort of call it that, that's come to the to the to the forefront. Um, and you know, so many people are so in, you know passionate about this and uh, want to do things, and everyone's kind of speaking out. And it's great that people are um, feel as though they now have the voice to be able to do so. Um, but you know, my approach on it again is it, to kind of have that positive outlook on it that yes we're now talking about it but what can we po do positively to to bring about change um mm. and you know off sort of offline my, you know i've sort of said to you what we're going to be doing but at this stage i can i can definitely say that i am working with others within the industry um where you know it's going to be a coming together of people within the the, the food industry to create something that's going to bring about some of the change that people so want and you know are so eager to have and so deserve to have uh, yeah i'm so glad you brought that up um is there is there anything just so that i don't feel like i'm like have skimmed past it like is there anything else that you are super keen to say about the black lives matter movement i i think you hit spot on that like we need to take this energy and we being just like everyone we need to take this energy and really put it into really serious change like actual change <laughs> yeah yeah you know, it, it, it's great that the space has now opened up for us to be able to, to, to for all these voices to be to be heard which is amazing and you know we we need to air our opinions and injustice that's been 
um, experienced uh, by individuals at, and together at, um, as, a, as a collective. Um, but at the same time, as you say, that energy needs to be channeled into something mm. positive. There is no point in raising all of this issue and then nothing gets done about it, you know? So my yeah. sort of approach is let's start doing something about it. Let's start yeah. taking those small steps, which will in turn lead to, uh, to change. It's, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be uh, something quick. It's going to take a while, but we will get there. And uh, for me, it's, uh, it calms my soul that, you know, to see something happening rather than, you know, to, to sort of pipe up and um, let my voice be, be heard um, in terms of what I feel about it. Doing something about it is more important for me. Yeah. That's just kind of my, my, my outlook on it. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story, your path, all the cool things you've done. I, I really, I really do feel very inspired by you. And like, I'm, you know, want to go like jot down all these ideas that, that you've kind of just like inspired me to have. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. And before I let you go, you know, I have to ask, <laughs> you know, I have to ask. I knew, you. I knew this, I knew this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> pull it out at the last minute here you thought i forgot <laughs> um how do you keep it quirky the the other day i was uh, outside speaking ha having a chat with uh, my neighbor um and the girls sort of came out you know daddy daddy hurry you know you've got to come inside you know they had put together um a salon a hairdresser oh. in, uh, um uh, in the front room and that was obviously going to be you know the participant that and the <laughs> customer yeah so i had to go in there for them to do my hair and all the rest of it and i hope hopefully that paints a picture of what happens uh being the only guy <laughs> in the house with all girls yeah. i yes I, I just succumbed to it and that's how i keep it quirky the the girls you know they absolutely amazing their creativity and you know the the fun and silliness that they kind of bring um, to our lives is just absolutely amazing. Where I think you touched on it in um, in one of your podcasts, where you say, you know, you've just got this drive, you've just got this get up and go, and you can have your game face on, um, and things are just, you know, going 100 miles an hour in your head, and you can just be so serious and just be in the zone. And then you have the girls who are just completely nuts. Um, and that just brings me back into reality and I, I just have to sort of let go of everything and just be fun daddy and just be, you know, the, the clown that they want me to be. Will you, will you sign us off with telling people to keep it quirky? Uh, I certainly will. All right. <laughs> Here goes. Keep it quirky. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Thank you, Julian. No problem. Cool. 
Thank you again, Julian, for coming on the podcast. You are such an inspiration. You all can follow him on Instagram at Chef Signatures. If you're curious to check out some of the projects he talked about in our conversation, go to madebyhumans.london and you can see really the body of his work. Thanks as always to the musician Brian Quinn, Funky BQ, for the theme song you hear. You can find him on Instagram at BQFunk. If you haven't signed up yet to my monthly newsletter, do that. Uh, the link to do so is in the description box of this podcast episode. You'll just get monthly updates from me, what I'm doing, and some interesting stuff that I've seen, read, heard about in the wide world of the interwebs. I'll see you all back here really soon. And in the meantime, don't forget to keep it quirky. Bye.